Episode 59 of the Cherokee Rewind, getting ready to kick off here. I am Mick. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. This time around, we're going to uh, we're gonna be going, talking to a guy who had a short stint in Toledo, and uh, he, but he had uh, plenty of time in the CSHL and uh, played elsewhere in addition to Toledo. Uh, played in Cleveland, played at Metro. Goes by the name of Nick Karstens, and Nick, uh, Nick is a guy that, like I said, he he was uh, uh, a you know short stay, but left an impact because the guy could flat out hit. He's he's a you know, physical. He, he could hit. And uh, Nick, first of all, welcome. Thanks for ha- doing this with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mick. Hey, Nick. I always do a thing where I try to remember the number you wore. And this one's going to be hard because I can't, I, I really can't remember. For some reason, um, I'm thinking, was it 23? You're close. Yeah. Um, when I came, I, I kind of came halfway through the year. Um, I think they were all high twenties numbers left. And then the only, the only kind of round number left was 20. So I chose 20. Okay. Well, that wasn't too bad. Usually I, I blow it big. Usually I'm like way off, but <laughs> It's okay. Anyway, so uh, thank, like I said, thanks for doing this. I, I let's get things started here. I know you only played part of one season, but still, I mean, I, people think that um, you know, if you only play part of one season, that sometimes people will think, well, we can't have a lot of stories to tell. But you got a lot of stories to tell because it wasn't just you. You showed up one day and played a couple of months. You are a guy who played in the, in the junior ranks. You played like over in Cleveland, you played in Metro. So you've got a lot of experience, junior experience, but it all comes from when you first started, which was when you were a little guy, how old were you when you first started uh, skating and playing hockey? Uh, I was 18 months old. I remember it, you know, kind of, kind of like it was yesterday. Um, so I used to, so Gail Cronk, the owner of the Flint, the old owner of the Flint team. So I actually played in Flint on the bookends of my career. Um, I played at Flint when I was 15 and then I played for the junior generals. And I also played at Flint when I was 19. Um, but Gail Cronk, who owned the junior team, ran a novice program at uh, Flint Iceland arenas, which was like five minutes from our house. Um, okay. So I remember, you know, they had they had the young young kids in the middle, then they had the your next group in the in the one end, and then you had another group in another end. And uh for the for the longest time there I remember my dad throwing my stick like I was some kind of dog, you know, and making me fetch after it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, nice. And so then when you progress from there, you know, you you go to, you know, once you get your skating abilities and all that down, you move on to the next progression where it's, you know, kind of like just skill skating work. You know, they put a stick over two cones. You got to dive underneath them and go. And, I, you know, I just remember Gail Cronk. That was when he still actually skated, you know, rest in peace. He passed away yeah. uh, years ago. But um, I remember he would, you know, as soon as you went down on your belly to go under the sticks, he was patting you on the butt with the stick and skate, skate, skate. You know, it was it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, you know, the thing I remember about Gail, and and I really liked him. I got along with him really well. Yep. Uh, was the way he talked. He had a heart of gold, but he had a really gruff voice. And okay. I think someone wants the way the best way to describe it is that he sounded and talked like a pirate. Yep. Yeah. He would. So he would. Uh, 
he said some very inappropriate things in the locker, you know. And I, he, he, uh, but he, you know, on, on the inside, the guy really meant well. He really did. But he would shake your hand, and you know, at, at this point, I'm five to ten years old, and he would. I remember, I remember it. I'll remember it till the day I die. He literally would grab your hand and just squeeze as hard as he could and say, "Are you behaving yourself?" You know, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying, you know, trying the best I can. So. That's why it's like it's like and, and and I'm not kidding. Every time I would after I would that we had that conversation about him sounding like a pirate. Whenever I talked to him, whenever he'd say something to me and be like, you know, ah, the ice is in pretty good service. I I'd be I'd be in my head. I'd be going, Arr. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was. <laughs> but, but you know, I knew him real well, and and uh, Kelly, his son. Yeah, I, I got along very well with Kelly too. You know, Kelly and I. I mean, for some reason, we hit it off real well, and. um and we got along really well. We didn't, you know, uh, whenever we'd go up there. And the thing was, Nick, back then, they were, like, one of our fiercest rivalries. Yeah. We did not like them as, as far as as a team. We did not like them. They did not like us. We're talking on the ice Correct. and everything. So it was, um, it, it, ooh, it was intense. And <laughs> yet, and yet, uh, and yet, you know, like I say, Kelly and, and, and Gail, we got along great with them, you know, I mean, like I did and everything, he, you know, we always would talk and stuff before the games and stuff when we first, when the bus would first roll up yep. and just hang out and, you know, talk to them for a while and sit in the office and have a few laughs. And, you know, that's just, that's just how hockey people are. You know, you, sure. you hate them for 10 minutes or 10 years and then you let it go. Yeah. All, yeah. yeah all jokes aside, that man, uh, Gail, you know, he, he did more for anybody in the hockey game than I've ever personally witnessed in my entire life. Um, you know, growing up, any kid that wanted to try to play, he would outfit them. They had a, I don't know if you remember the old blue rink at Iceland, but yes. underneath, underneath there was a compartment with a bunch of old equipment. So anybody that wanted to try to play the game, he would outfit them, let them, let them try it. And if they didn't wow. like it, he asked that you turned it back in, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty surreal. And kind of my break into the game, um, you know, my dad, at the time, my dad was, um, you know, doing a paper out on Sundays just to, to help set, offset the cost of me playing. Um, mm -hmm. And that continued for quite a while. But, yeah, I mean, Gail was always there. Like, if you needed a new pair of shimp, it was, you know, obviously older equipment. But if you need, if you outgrew something, he was there. You know, he would provide you with it. Uh, and it wow, was just that's incredible. Great, it was just a great thing to grow up with, you know, around the rink and just for him to be there. And then, you know, his presence on the ice and, you know, he was always, he, I felt like he was the, the guy in the, the game maker in the hunger games, just piecing everything together. You know, it was, it was awesome. It was very that's nice. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've never heard of anything like that. I mean, I'm sure there were people that did that. I mean, our, the ownership in Toledo, uh, Sap Miller, the late great Sap Miller, Yes. Uh, he would help kids with, he would help kids if they wanted to try and uh, uh, skate and play the game, he would help them as well. But I mean, I never knew, I never heard of anyone where they took old equipment and stored it so that if a kid who couldn't afford it wanted to try to take up the game, that's to me, that's incredible. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. It, you was, know? it was something, you know, like I said, and, and that was, that was kind of the break that a lot of Flint hockey, uh, up and coming players and prospective players, you know, could really lean back on and get kind of kick the tires on getting their career going too. So wow. that was nice. That is nice. Um, now, um, when you were, uh, 
you know, do you remember your coaches? Was it Gail that coached you uh, when you first started as a little guy? Uh, no. So my first actual team, we were the Flint box makers and we had a, we had a red team and a white team. Okay. okay. I was at five years old. Um, and we kind of, it was kind of just a hodgepodge of the dads together that kind of split up. And actually I, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, um, one of the guys that I still play men's league with and who's one of my good friends, Kirk Allen, uh, we, uh, we always joke about, we have a picture floating around of our team, you know? And it's just it's just crazy to see, you know, all these kids, where they went, how everything played out and, you know, how many how many people, you know, panned out who didn't. And it's it's just it's just cool to go back down memory lane with that, you know. So that was. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, it was kind of like a all hands on deck type thing with skill development. And we only played the white. I was on the red team, I believe. And we only played against the white team. And that was that went on. I don't know if you remember the old white ice at Iceland. It was like a half sheet kind of. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, that in the in the white rink. Yeah, we're talking about called the white ice. So if you go into the blue, it used to be just the blue rink, which is the back rink that we practiced on. There and was that, the blue rink, the green rink, and the red rink, right? Correct. So back when I started, it was just the blue rink and the white rink, and they just had the little lobby there in the blue rink. Yeah, I remember you, that. And then if you went to the lot, you know, the junior general's locker room goes up the stairs and there's two locker rooms next to it. Well, that was the white rink and it was literally a half sheet. And that's the only place that we played. You know, it was, it was pretty cool. And the game room used to be in the blue lobby. Um, so it was, nice. it was nice. They had a concession stand there and everything else. So, you yeah, know, what? The- they, they didn't have much at the concession stand, but what they did have was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had, had good-, good food. Yep. Yep. So, yep, we were the, we were the Flint box makers and, um, you know, we, we did that. We, we just scrimmaged each other for the full year. And then I think from there we all went on to mites, um, to our different teams where they, I mean, we had, we had roughly 10 teams at every level, mites, squirts, peewee, um, and then even into Bantam. And then, so you had like 10 house teams, you had, uh, your A, your double A, and then you also had a triple A team out of the same eight, out of each age group. Okay. So there was a lot going on back then, you know, GM was thriving and, you know, there was actually good money in the area and hockey was thriving. You know, everybody, everybody looked, looked forward to going to the generals games. They packed the rink. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was, uh, <laughs> we talked, we talked three, uh, you know, before we came on here about kids taking turn as go- as a goalie you know mm-hmm. yeah uh that was that year in the box makers was my one and only goalie experience we actually scrimmaged the moms oh dear and i got absolutely lit up and i said okay well there's <laughs> <my> goalie career <laughs> patrick patrick why you are not huh <laughs> correct that's correct yes <laughs> oh that's funny that is funny oh man well of course you know they're moms you you can't you can't stop them you do that it's a rough ride home i'm not so sure that i could have stopped uh, anybody at that moment so <laughs> as uh don cherry would say can't stop a beach ball yeah. i understand that yeah. but okay so now when you move on from there and you start playing peewee and and bantam uh yep. where did, did you stay in-house at iceland or yeah so i stayed i stayed at iceland for i believe squirt a uh, I played Might House the whole way, and then I played Squirt A at um, at Iceland, 
And then I believe it was Squirt AA when we went to, there's another rink in town in Burton called Ice Mountain. It was Ice Mountain at the time. It's Crystal Fieldhouse now. Okay. So I went over there and played, I believe, Squirt AA, Pee A. And then I came back to Iceland for Bantam AA. All right. So Bantam, our Bantam AA year, we kind of put together like uh, the best of the best of the area and combined teams. And we, I mean, and, uh, and you know, created like a, a pretty good team. So, um, and then it kind of gets cloudy from there. <laughs> That's where <laughs> all the stories begin. Ah, okay. But uh, so now, when did you start playing travel? So I started playing travel squirt A. Um, and then I played travel through midget double a, mm-hmm. and then that's where it ended. That's when I got, uh, my first shot in junior. Okay. So now where did you play as far? Who did you play for in travel? Like for in midget? So in midget, I played, uh, I was actually really young. I was, uh, I believe 14 playing I played midget double at 14 and it was a team that we kind of put together at Flint Iceland, but we were called the Flint Force, and everybody, you know, still to this day jokes that we were the Flint Farce, because, <laughs> uh, you know, the the coaching staff thought it was a good idea to throw us into the rank division, and we had all these aspirations of a national championship, and this, that, or the other thing, and I honestly don't believe that we won more than five games all year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. so so I went Bantam A. Or either Bantam, yeah, Bantam Double A, Midget Double A, Junior, and then so the year that I played uh, Midget Double A, we actually scrimmaged the Junior Generals after they practiced one day, and this uh-huh. was early on in the season. And like I said, I was 14 years old, and um, after the after the scrimmage, I got a call from at the time it was Ben Guzak, the coach, yeah. for the junior. I got a call from him at my house, and. Um, he basically had asked me like, Hey, we want you to come up now. And, you know, he, he was, he basically said like, Hey, you only play every other game, but I think it would be a good experience for you to come up now to get ready for next year. Um, so I, you know, I, I had talked it over with my family, my mom and my dad, and we, we had all decided kind of, you know, they'd already paid for the season at major double a, and we decided as a family that it wasn't, uh, you know, I, I, I just wasn't ready mentally. Um, physically, I think I could have been, I would have been all right. But mentally, I just wasn't ready to make that jump. So from there, I, I literally just practiced. Uh, every time that they practiced, I was on the ice with them um, all year long. So I would, <laughs> it made for some long nights because I would, I would literally practice with them at four o'clock right after school. And then I would go and just practice with a couple of the youth teams. I, it's funny, you know, you, I, I listened, I, I, I kind of prepared myself for this. I listened to the one, the episode that you did with uh, Nick Brazil. Because yep. his, his team, uh, he, he mentioned Ken Tucker. So Ken Tucker mm-hmm. was really good friends with my dad, like growing up. And mm-hmm. uh, so I would skate with their team. Um, and then I would skate with another team. And then I would practice at my practice. So I was spending from f- like four to eleven at the rink every single night. Oh my gosh! And that, I mean, That's... and that that can that continued through the next year as well. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you talk about mentally. Uh, not sure if you were ready mentally. If you weren't ready to do that uh, from uh, 
practicing like that. That tells me you could you handled you could have handled Junior because well, my yeah. gosh, that's insane. That's the point it was a maturity thing too, right? Like, um, you know, my mind my mind kind of I was I was late in my grade, so my mind was we just we did we I guess my mind just wasn't uh, fully developed to take on that role for that task, you know. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, but man, at, at least in your mind, because you that's that's grueling. I don't care who you are. <laughs> When you're when you go every night to, from four o'clock to eleven, on your on on the ice, yeah, that's that's hard. But um, so now, what was the what was the caliber of hockey like when you were in midget? Oh, uh, like I said, we, I mean, we got thrown into the ranked division, so we were playing. I mean, we were getting pounded 15-1-15. I mean, we had I'm an eighty nine birth year, and we had four eighty nines playing against. I believe 85s. Oh, yeah. So, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm wrong. It would have probably been. It would have been 86s that would have been at the top end of that. that year. Still, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. So, now you took your lumps and everything. When did you finally get around to making the jump to junior? Okay, so it would have been like I said. I, I kind of got my feet wet the, that year. Um, by practicing with them every time they they practiced and, you know, just being around the guys and whatnot. And then the next year was when I, I fully, um, you know, fully took the jump. I went to training camp. I did very well, just be, you know, and, and, and then, uh, that's when we kind of started the year. Um, I signed my, you know, it's kind of a big deal at 15 years old to sign up. You know, you're excited to sign your, you know, first contract or whatever, even though it doesn't pay you anything. But, yeah. uh, no, it was that, that. That's the year that I took the jump, and for the most part, that year was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I was doing well. Went to the showcase. I was getting, you know, not not great playing time, but adequate for my situation. I I, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then um, two months two months go into the year and we're at practice where it's a transition drill and I go down on the D and you know, it was a big, big defenseman that we had. Um, I go down, I, I, I make my move, either lose the puck or take my shot. I don't remember, but then I transitioned to defense. So he comes down, he gets up over the line and I'm, I'm giving up probably eight inches on this guy. So, Ooh. and it's not many times that I, I was the type of guy that always, always gave up inches and not pounds. So that yeah. that tells you anything about my physique. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know so, what you're talking about, Nick. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I he comes over the blue line and he puts his head down, so I step up into him. Well, when I did, I tucked my foot into a rut on the old oh. blue ice at Iceland, and I basically snapped my leg. So that was <laughs> that was pretty much all she wrote from there. And that kind of, that kind of, you know, not to – I don't want to be the guy that, that points to, oh, yeah, if I would have never done that, this, this, and this could have happened. But um, that's kind of the start of the spiral for me as, it, as I kind of uh, tried to have to fight my way into, you know, back into the league. And um, honestly, most of it, you know, I was out six months. So even when I came back, I was just, <laughs> you know, I was out of shape, even worse than I was. And I didn't rehab properly. You know, I had people in my ear telling me, hey, you need to be on the bike. Not, And I honestly was more interested in working on my shot and stick handling and, you know, basically doing that kind of thing. And, and it kind of, that kind of bit me in the end, too. Um, and we can go into that later, too. So. Okay. 
So, uh, so the first year in junior was not uh, what you had hoped. Um, so, but uh, just kind of touching base with that, I actually had my first junior fight in Toledo that year when I came back. Um, I remember I was I was 15 years old. They played. Uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. The whole setting, you know, warm ups. They played Don Henley, Boys of Summer, um, and I got I was getting like two shifts a period at that point, trying to work my way back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I had never fought gloves off before, but I'd always like, you know, dreamed of it, you know, like I, sure. I, I actually enjoyed it, you know, like when we got into scuffles, like even in Bantams and Midget. Um, but I remember, like, like I said, Don Henley, Boys of Summer, and warm ups, just getting, just getting all excited, and then um, go, you know, rolls around. We're in the second period, or maybe the third, one of the two, but. Um, a guy, sl- I, I, I hit a guy behind the net. Rogers was his last name. I, I mean, I remember he was an age out and I was really young, but, uh, oh, yeah, Matt, Matt Rogers. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I slash him and I start to head back to the bench and he calls me out. Well, I was, I was at the end of my shift. I was ready to make a line change and all the vets on the team weren't going to let that happen. You know, they all kind of pushed me back out, out of the ice and we squared off and had a little scuffle. So that was my, that was my first junior fight. yeah i know uh, matt's a good dude too i know matt he's uh now he's in colorado he's a fireman okay yeah so he's uh he was a guy that he didn't play a ton either he did uh he he was like you even though he was an age out he did he uh we were stacked that year we had a lot of a lot of uh uh, guys on the offense but i just uh, remember i just remember coming into the building and seeing Hass higgins all these guys that are over six foot three you know and i'm i'm all five foot seven and i'm just looking up like oh just please don't you know just don't mess with me today please you know, <laughs> you know and it's and, and, you know higgy he's also a fireman uh but uh here here in the area but it's it's funny because you know i mean got, hockey people we're just hockey people are just a different a different breed correct you know? it's like they, a secret- really are yeah, I agree with you there. Now, when you um, – so what happened between year one and year two? Okay, so so year two, I actually took a year off and played high school my senior year. Okay. So what happened, Kevin Carlisle took over um, to coach the junior generals after Guzak left my, after my first year. Mm-hmm. And he had basically – I had no idea this was happening and, you know, looking back on, on it today, you know, he fully knew what was going on. So he had, he had came into the locker room after a skate and he said, you know, basically sat me down and was like, you need to take this serious. You need to make, the, you know, cause he knew what I was doing. He knew I was trying to get back and he knew that I, you know, I was kind of, I don't want to say misguided, but I was, I was kind of doing the wrong things as far as rehab goes. And I was falling more and more out of shape. And he basically told me, he looked me in the eye and he said, uh, you need to make decisions easy come fall at training camp and not hard. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, basically whatever. I blew it off. Um, I didn't, you know, at at the time he had nothing to do with the program, but clearly he, you know, looking back, he knew that he was taking over. So I, you know, I go through training camp, um, and then we're we're at like our our hell week, 
you know, so to say. And I make it down. I think there's like 27 people left. And I was on the bubble, you know. So I, you know, at that point, I'm like, you know what? Um, I just decided to play for my high school team that year. And it actually was probably one of the best decisions I'd ever made. So we do, in our area, we do like a mid-Michigan high school hockey alumni tournament now that I can be part of because I played a year and graduated from there, Mm -hmm. which is really fun. And then we actually made it to the state quarterfinals and lost to Grand Rapids Catholic Central that year in the quarterfinals, and we outshot them 40-20 to and lost one nothing. So we had a good run, oh, too. Wow. That's yeah. pretty awesome. That's still pretty good. I mean, it's a shame you lost, but still. Right. So a- the, the, the playoff week we had was kind of a whirlwind, too. We beat the town next to us, which is Duran. We beat them 3-2. to two. I had a hat trick. We beat Flint Powers, who's like the crown jewel of the area, 6 nothing the next day. And then we won the regionals like 11-1 to one against Saginaw Swan Valley. And then it was wow. It was to the quarters from there. And like I said, you know, um, I remember we played at Diamonddale at Lansing. I don't know how much you know about that, but we played on the back sheet. Mm-hmm. And there's literally only enough seats to – there's only enough seating for like 500 people in there at the most. And I think they stuffed probably close to three, I mean, 3000 people. I mean, they were, they were three back all the way around the glass. We had students on our bench at, at some points during the game. So, I mean, it was absolutely chaotic. Now that's, that's not the capital center, right? That's not. Yeah, the, that is. Yeah. Yes. yes it yes. is it. Okay. Yeah. Now the capital center. they didn't put you in the main rink. No, no. So for whatever reason, the D3 quarterfinals are always in that back rink every single year for for whatever reason. I don't know why, but, yeah, I mean, it was absolutely jammed in there. It was it was a cool feeling. I mean, that's great, you know, that you guys had a packed house, but I'm just saying from the standpoint of uh, why not just use the big rink? Yeah, you know? I, I, I honestly have no idea. It would make more sense, right? I mean, yeah. but, there I you mean, go, Nick. There you go, being having common sense. Yeah, that was uh, that was up there. I mean, I think that the biggest crowds I ever played in front of were it was that, and then the times that we spent playing in Dubuque as well. On the oh, road, yeah. remember those. Um, <laughs> so, um, so now you play your year of high school. Um, was it? Was it? I mean, did did you play a different style of game? when you played in high school versus when you played that first year of junior before you got hurt? No, I mean, I just kind of played at the level that I was, I was at, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, not, not, not to go too far into it, but I, you know, I played and I, I did my thing. And then halfway through the year, we needed help on defense. Our coach is like, Hey, we need you to try out defense. And then this is, that's kind of where I'm like, okay, you know, I'll try it. And then we had a guy get hurt. Uh, right before regional playoffs, and then he put me back up on forward, I think on the first or second line, I couldn't remember, but, and I started producing. I knew at that point, like, hey, it's time to go. Okay. So, so you I, mean, play- I, I was over a point a game, and when my coach asked me to come approach me to play defense, so I thought that was kind of, but. Yeah. A little, a little different, but yep. anyway, so now how did you end up uh, going back to juniors? Okay, so it was always the plan. Um, I was going to take one year off, enjoy myself, you know, try to find my – because, I mean, when you play – I mean, if you're being – if I'm being honest with you, when you're playing junior hockey, it's basically – hockey's a job at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so 
I took a year off to have fun, played with my friends that I've, I've grown up with that, that walked the halls with me in the high school and just kind of enjoyed myself. And then the next year I, I go into camp again at Flint and they brought in some guys that were studs. They went to nationals that year. And I kind of found myself in the same spot where I stuck it out, was one of the, you know, and then I got called in. I was one of the last cuts. But Kevin Carlisle at the time was like, hey, you know, I don't really have a spot for you. However, Cleveland's looking for guys. So packed my car up um, <laughs> overnight, went to Cleveland and tried to start a new journey there. Um, and that kind of starts the whirlwind of the, the suitcase for myself. Three teams in one year, you know, so. And then, I mean, I got some good stories and bad stories along the way, but um, I guess now's as good a time as any to get into it, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's talk about Cleveland. Uh, that was Bob Jacobson, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did, yep. yeah. You, he's easy to recognize. He's the one with a cup of coffee. With a cup Never of coffee it? and three cigarettes in one hand. <laughs> going to say you never see him without a cup of coffee i'll say that about bob and there's some funny stories that uh later on um in future podcast uh i'm good this isn't going to be just solely all cherokee alumni this is going to be i'm going to have a few guys throughout the cshl that have story that can tell stories and one of them is jack behan who was the head coach for st louis yeah and he oh my god I was at a game. It was matter of fact, it was a year. I don't know if it was your year or not, but it was a year where uh, they were uh, a junior C team was playing in our tournament to try to be able to qualify for nationals. Right. And uh, I think it was the mass, the Massachusetts, the mass Maple Leafs. I think it yep. was. Yep. Oh, well that was your year. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Or it might've okay. been a year. Well, the thing was, was that um, we were playing down in St. Louis yep. and, 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 and Jack was, it, it was mass Maple Leafs against Cleveland. And Jack and I are standing in the, in the area between the two benches there by the, uh, below the press box. And we are, uh, we're standing and he is just, I mean, unloading on Bob Jacobson. I mean, it's uh he was like talking about, um, he's talking about how, you know, cause he, Bob was, had, was trying to get the beard going, oh, yeah. growing a beard and, and, and Jack was saying stuff like, you know, you look like the, you look like the leprechaun on the box of lucky charms. And I mean, I am just literally crying. I am laughing so hard. <laughs> I am like, I had to leave there and go into the, into the lobby because I could not take it. I mean, I was shaking like jello. And I am laughing myself silly. And I mean, he was just merciless on, on him. And and of course, Bob being Bob, his eyes looked like they were ready to burst out of their sockets. Oh yeah. And, you know, he and matter of fact, he was so mad he almost, almost knocked over his cup of coffee. But uh, oh funny. My. He used to he used to put his coffee on the on the dasher, set it on the dasher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Try to shoot pucks at it, hit it and stuff yeah. like that. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, if you ask Bob Jacobson uh, what he thinks about Nick Carson's, I'm pretty sure you won't get a good uh, good answer out of him. I kind of left a bad taste after I left. I went to Metro. I, well, well, we'll get into that. But I did something that was uh, probably the the biggest black eye I had on my junior career. So okay, but we'll so get to what that was, the Metro right. days. 
what was it like in Cleveland, though? I mean, besides that, I mean, did you get playing time? Did, were you able to? Yeah, so, so kind of similar to my Toledo, my Toledo, my time in Toledo. Um, I went, I went there. I was behind the eight ball um, already because they would, they were already skating. They already had basically their core pieces. They had their top six. They had their top four D um, already established. So I was, I was just basically fighting my way trying to find a spot which I knew going in. Um, so um, I get there and immediately they're like, okay, well, we need you to play defense. I'm like, okay, well, I one, I hate defense. And two, you know, I, whatever, I'll do whatever I need to do to try to, to try to make it here. You know, um, I, I stayed in a, I stayed in a billet house with a single mom and her daughter and two other guys on the team. One of them I love. I still to this day talk to him, Chris Klein, um, who was just an excellent person. And then the other guy, we kind of, I don't know, he kind of rubbed us the wrong way. But And he was actually a Peoria guy, um, which he, I mean, whatever. Me and Chris kind of did our thing and then left him alone to do whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. um, he was like a captain of the team, like uh, assistant captain and whatever. And um, So we play in a we're playing a preseason game and that's when Hampton Roads had their um their like traveling team I guess you would say where they uh-huh. did like a big long road trip all year they were independent and we played okay. them, and there was uh I remember I you know I, I didn't play great I scored a goal from the point but I didn't play great um and then you know fast forward the regular season starts and um you know, I was I, I wasn't anything spectacular on defense. For you know, I was not in the top four. I was a bottom six D or a bottom six D, and uh, you know, playing sparingly. And from there, the, the pressure just kind of mounts that you got to push and do more than you actually can and play out of your box. So I found myself doing that, and it, I mean, it didn't really last too long. I um, I think I played like four or five games there. Um. And then I got called into Bob Jacob. You know, I was also like, in the meantime, I found a job working construction. So I was working like a 10 hour day carrying drywall. So my neck's all kinked up. And then I got a, we got a, on top of that, that was the first year I believe that they moved to Strongsville from the city. Yeah. So my billet was in Euclid. So we had to drive across the city to get to practice. So I was working at almost a 10 hour day, drive across the city to practice, practice, work out, drive an hour back or, 45 minutes or whatever it is back across the city and come home. And by that time you're just mentally exhausted and physically really. I mean, but, um, so anyway, fast forward, Bob Jacobson calls me into his office and he says, Hey, we're letting you go. Um, we appreciate your time, blah, 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 blah. And then at that time he was like, well, we have a couple teams that we can send you to that are in the WSHL. And at the time I'm like, you know what? I'm already for, I'm already far enough from home. I don't want to go even, you know, I don't want to go out West where I can't, like if something happens, I can't get back home within, without flying home, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I basically was like, okay. And you know, it was kind of a weird setup because like I said, by the, the one of the, the guys I lived with actually sat in the meeting with Bob and me. Wow. And, like stared at me the whole, yeah, it was, it was real awkward. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I have enough, I have enough ties and I have enough, uh, I know enough people that all land on my feet somewhere, you know? So I said, basically, thanks, but no thanks to their offer. And, um, 
I just, I basically just packed up my car and I left that night. Um, mm-hmm. didn't say much to the billet family. I still talk to them this day. Marla Evans and her daughter, Ashley, they're great people. Um, but well, like I said, I packed up my car and I was out and then, um, you know, a couple weeks go by and I was talking, you know, I, I knew a couple guys on Toledo at the time, uh, Willie, Josh Williams. Oh yeah. And then- Brandon Bolter. Uh, I played with Brandon Bolter like in the Springs for like three or four years in a row. So I was talking to them and they're like, well, hey, why don't you come down to, why don't you come try out for us or come, you know, basically just skate with us. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can do that. So I don't remember what happened from there, but that's when, uh, you know, I, I, I they're like, okay, uh, I don't know if it was Tarsh or Dunk they were talking to, but they're like, okay, you got to be here on, on Monday. I'm like, okay, I can be there, you know, so that's when I, I kind of started that little journey. And, um, I basically, again, you know, packed up my stuff, went to the rink and I remember, remember it really well. Um, uh, I had a chair outside in like the, the lounge area mm-hmm. where I was, where I was to get dressed, you know? So I'm like, okay. And I get it. Um, they, the locker room was full. And, uh, so I remember, you know, I introduced myself to Mo. Um, and I got, you know, I could talk all day. Like I, there's no other team in junior hockey that has a guy like Mo. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I, mean, I know. Character wise, character wise. I, lo- I love does, that guy. I, I couldn't name another junior team out there that actually has an equipment manager, let alone a guy that goes above and beyond and dedicates himself like Mo. Um, but so, so true. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> I remember I'm sitting there in the chair and I'm, I'm half naked and I'm getting ready and Dunk comes in and he's like, Hey, where's the new guy? And Mo, I, I hear Mo say, Oh, it's the guy over there in the chair that has the same physique as I do. And right, <laughs> there, right then and there, I'm like, Oh Jesus, here we go. You know, this is like, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, okay, you know, good jokes. This is going to be good. Cause I, you know, I'm, I like the, I'm a prankster. I like to joke. So, you know, I'm laughing, whatever. And then, so I remember I'm halfway dressed and I go in the locker room to get a jersey. I remember, I remember like, you know, Dunk was real adamant about only certain color uh, tape on certain color socks and color coordinating everything and basically looking, you know, looking the part for even practice. So I didn't want to mess any of that up. So I went in there to seek out somebody, you know, to ask him like for help. And I, I think I grabbed Willie. But, uh, and then I look and I, I'm just like, holy, you know, I, I look over and I see this big, this guy who looks to be seven foot tall and just thick. And he has the biggest beard. looks like he's been living in the mountains for ages. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, oh my, what am I getting myself? It was Ryan wall, Ryan wall. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh my, what am I getting myself into here? You know? So, um, Practice goes well. We get off the ice, and they basically were like, "Hey, we'll, we'd like to have you back here Wednesday." I think it was. I'm like, "Okay." So I show back up Wednesday, and I, I might be getting this right or wrong. I, I, I don't know exactly, but on the time, the, the days and the timeline. But so Wednesday goes by, and you know we're practicing, and uh, one of the guys on the I, I had this thing in my junior hockey career that followed me kind of where no matter what new team I went to, it was always the bag skate in the first couple skates. So our backup goalie got caught. They went to Bowling Green and he got caught sneaking into the billet house. Um, 
<laughs> at like three thirty in the morning. So Dunk's pissed. Um, we didn't see pucks the whole practice. And I'm just like, I'm not ready for this, you know. So then after the practice, Dunk calls me in and he's like, hey, we're going to sign you to a contract. I'm like, okay, so that's fine. And I was excited because they were – everybody knew about the brawl that you guys had had with Dubuque the year before. Well, Dubuque was coming to town that weekend, and I'm like, all right, sweet. You know, I might be able to get into some kind of stuff. You know, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to have a full-on brawl, but I'm sure there will be some fights and maybe I can grab somebody and – prove myself in that rank too you know and um but so sign a contract wednesday friday comes along i come into the locker room and i'm like man my, my name's not on the sheet and i'm like dunk what's going on and he's like ah, i don't like to mess with the lineup when we're, we're winning and he's like you've only been here a couple days just take the weekend off and then we'll go at it we'll reassess next week you know and i'm like okay so the buke rolls into town friday they just absolutely pound us. Both, I, I, I want to say they pounded us both games, like 7-2, 6-3 or something like that. And I don't think we won many of the fights either. But so um, the next, the very next week, I'm practicing, practicing. And I, I, I'm not anything special. You know, I'm on like the third or fourth line, just kind of going through the motions. So then I kind of, I looked up our schedule at that point and I saw that we were going to Flint. So I'm like, okay, you know, I drive down, ride the bus back to Flint, which is five minutes from my house. I drive down to Toledo, ride the bus back, and I get in the locker room because Dunk had, Dunk had already told me that I was going to be in the lineup. I get in the locker room, and I'm like, what is going on here? I'm on the first line, and I'm running the point on the power play. <laughs> Mind you, I've had, I've had no work with the top unit. And I have, I, I've really never ran the point on the power play before. I was always either a half wall or down low guy. So I'm like, okay. So we get into the game. I score a goal, my first junior goal. I score at Flint. So that was kind of bittersweet, you know. Um, and I just remember we were staying on Miller Road at a hotel when my house is four minutes from the from the hotel, you know, which is kind of it's kind of crazy in itself. I'm just thinking, well, it's just a whirlwind of a weekend. So, like I said, I scored a goal. was excited, feeling high. Uh, we go into the locker room after the first, I think, up two to one, I believe. And then we come back out, and we go on the power play quick in the second period. So, Dunk calls my number, and I'm like, okay, here I go, you know. So, I got, I remember I got the point, the puck at the point, and I'm, I'm looking around, looking around. Well, one of my friends from my local high school starts to step up on me. He's at the top of the diamond. He steps up on me and I'm like, I, I go to make a move and I just absolutely fall down. He goes in and scores two, two. Um, and then that was, <laughs> that was kind of the, my, my fall in Toledo, you know? Um, but, you know, thinking back on it, like what, what more can you ask of a coach? Throw me into the mix and see what I got. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh -huh. I mean that from there, from there I got, you know, I got bumped back down, obviously. Um, and starting to, you know, just practicing. And then I had seen, a, I, I had watched fights all along and, um, I, you know, I'd always see guys take off their elbow pads mm -hmm. and I, I didn't have much experience at that point. You know, I had like two or three fights under my belt and Clarky, Jay Clark, they, we, we kind of set up a fight for practice before mm -hmm. the practice. Right. So we square up, 
I shred my elbow pads. Well, Clarky thought that was like a disrespect thing. And I honestly didn't mean any disrespect. So he absolutely beat the wheels off me and he didn't want to stop, uh, which thinking back, you know, now, now knowing what I know now, it was a big no, no, but, and I don't blame him for it, but that was, that was that. And then I, you know, sparingly playing fourth line, uh, going out there and just basically being a wrecking ball, just trying to hit everything in sight. Um, if I got the tap on the shoulder from Don, you know, like I said, I'm not, I can fight. I was probably, you know, 60, 40 in my career, but I wasn't, I was five foot seven, you know, five foot seven. And so I was give like I said, I was always giving up height and not pounds. So, um, which means you had strength. You had a good solid base to work from. Right, 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 right. It was a weeble wobble. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, anytime Tarsha Dunk was like, hey, can you go get that guy? I would try to get him. And I, I never could get anybody to go with me for whatever reason. I don't know. And then um, I remember we were playing Metro at Toledo. And one of the guys that I had played with my first year at Flint uh, John Carwatt came up to me and was like, Hey, we want to trade for you. And my buddies at the time were, uh, I had a couple buddies that I had played with on Metro as well. So I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I'm, I'm not really playing here. Um, you know, I kind of dug myself my own grave in Toledo. So I was like, yeah, you know, whatever, just have, have our, your owner call our owner and we'll figure it out. So then I get a call from Dunk that night or maybe like early ne- early the next week and he's like hey metro wants to trade for you do you want to go and i was like well you know and i and like i said uh dunk being the stand-up guy he is i asked him i said hey you know do you see me having a chance to to consistently crack your lineup and work my way up the lineup here and he said no and i said okay well then yeah make the trade so that was basically my career in a nutshell there um not all bad not all bad though um, the owners, I believe it was the LeMays at the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chuck LeMay. Yep. Yeah. So Toledo was kind of, it was, it was a little different than any other junior program. So when I went to Metro, like we kind of touched base on this before the, the podcast started, but so Toledo was one of the best run organizations that I had played for and that I had even heard of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never played for another team that would give you a $10 bill every time you got off the bus to get food whether we used it on food or put it in a hat and everybody got a poker hand, that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but no, they, you know, they, I had never had anybody talk to me about possibly getting tutoring for college. Um, I had never seen anybody that had the people in place like Mo, um, even Brandy in the scores box, yep. uh, yourself. Um, it was just a, it was just a class run organization. And then, uh, you know, one, one funny story I got, you know, I don't know if you know, you know, I'm sure you know, Mark Farrell. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mark Farrell, we all got loofahs. We all got a shower bag. Right. So yeah. one day Mark, Mark Farrell's loofah is gone. So he's just absolutely just on a war path. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day we come into the practice and Mo had taken all of his stuff out of his locker and put like a th- like a hundred loofahs in his locker, and he was just losing his mind. That was one of, <laughs> one of my funnest. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no way, this is happening right now. You know, it was just hilarious. Oh, God. 
Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, Mark is a nurse now, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, honestly, I I lost. The only people that I really keep in contact with from Toledo are, I see Fish, uh, DJ Fisher, um, Mm -hmm. when we play. Like, I coach U of M Flint's team now. So when we play, like, in Indy, we play Indiana Tech. Um, I see him every once in a while at the rink. He has... He's coaching their team, uh, or was before the pandemic. But so I see him, and then the only other the only other people I really keep in contact with are, like I said, Brandy and uh, and Mo. Yeah, well, you got you got quality people there with Brandy and Mo, no question. So, uh, so you get so you end up going to Metro. Um, Taylor, I, two I, <laughs> what was, was that? It was a heads and tails type scenario for me there because I literally, like I said, you know, I went from an organization that took care of their players that put their players first and always, you know, wanted their players to succeed to an organization that was, uh, it was not, it was not great. Um, that starts from ownership down. Um, you know, at Toledo, we practice always four o'clock. And then you go to Metro and you're practicing at 10 o'clock at night. And there was a rumor floating around that that's because he got a a steep discount on the price of the the ice and whatnot. But anyway, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, totally different run organizations. Um, And it starts and it's, it's all, it starts and stops with ownership. Um, You know, we, on the road at Toledo, on the road at Toledo, we got, like I said, we got a $10 bill every time we got off the bus for food. And then you go to Metro and it's like, okay, the game's over. You guys go have at it, you know, do your own thing. And, you know, you got, it's just not, it doesn't create a team atmosphere. You got guys, certain six guys going here. You got eight guys going there. You got guys running across the street from the hotel to find their own thing. And it was just, you know, it was just nuts. And honestly, the guy, the the owner was just real cheap. Um, (laughs) But I kind (laughs) of... I kind of got him though. We were on the, we were going to the showcase. I remember, and I had, uh, I, you know, I chew. Um, I still do actually, but I had coupons for Copenhagen. I had a, they were expired, but I had a buy one get one free Copenhagen, and he loved Copenhagen. So, but the the date, the, ex, the expiration date was on the bottom, and it was like you know three or four months expired. And then I had a buy one get one free Grizzly, and I so I ripped the. Uh, the expiration date off the grizzly ones and used it. So then I gave the Copenhagen ones to Butch, you know, hoping he wouldn't see the, that they were expired and he didn't rip them off. And I, I just, we all watched them from the bus, try to use the coupon and watch the lady tell him, oh, sir, these are expired. <laughs> and he was so oh my God. <laughs> I, I can, I can see him storming, storming out of there getting, Oh my God. That is funny. Yeah, he's that got his toy hat on, cowboy boots, and you can just see him just just hot under the collar at the at the register as the lady hands the coupon back to him. Little wisps <laughs> of steam coming out of his ears, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is so good. Now, yeah. uh, so now, I mean, that aside, uh, did was the playing experience for you better at Metro, getting into the lineup more consistently? Honestly, no. Well, yeah, I mean, we had, I played, I played a lot more, but I was at a point where, you know, I was kind of just kind of, I've I've had, I'd had enough that year for five years worth of playing. So I, uh, 
you know, I was playing D again, and we, we were down four or five D. And I just found myself fight, you know, fighting every chance I could. And I think I ended up getting a couple of the two fight EJs. And um, there was one time we were playing at Motor City, and uh, we had we were down to four D. And that guy was like, "Hey, you want to go?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. You know, let's do it." So I look at my coach. It was Jamie Hayden. I look at him and I'm going, I'm like, hey, can I go? And he's like, no. He yells no from the bench. And I look at the guy and I was like, what did he say? And he's like, dude, he told you to go. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay. So we, you know, we, we dropped the gloves square off and I threw one punch, landed it. He rips me down and absolutely beat the wheels off me. And uh, I remember I'm sitting in the pounding box and this is in the, like the second period. We're down to 3D now. And the whole side of my head is just puffed out to the point where I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, basically engineer a way to get my helmet on to fit over my caved head. You know, it was, for me, match was kind of a lonely time because like I said, I, I was miserable. I, we got pounded every game and, you know, I just basically, what, you know, what day shit's not going our way. Let's fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, um, I mean, I, I look at it as uh, you guys were the bridge to where they are now, because yeah. even though they are relocated, they new owners, the whole nine yards. Well, you uh, hit they are too, right. So new, you hit it uh, hook line and hook line and sinker right there. New ownership. So sorry not to cut you off, but continue. No, it's fine. No, you're fine. You're fine. This is we're in, we're talking to you. Um, it's um. The whole idea is is that, uh, to me anyway, is that getting a fresh start, you know what I mean, for that team, moving to over to Frazier instead of going all the way across M59, right. water. Uh Just, um, I mean, playing playing in a, in a beautiful facility like, right. uh, you, know, uh, you know, in Frazier, and that's like a, five sheets, I think. And I've, I've, in previous podcasts, I have railed on – the Lakeland Ice Arenas, yeah. Because even though I know there's a lot of players that have played out of there for us that have come out of there, and God bless them, but that place was the coldest rink I ever played, ever went to. Uh, that was a place that kids dreamed to play at though growing up because they had a candy store right in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, tell you what, their food wasn't too bad, but it was like, eh. I could have took it or left it, but yeah. uh, but and you, I mean, when you walked out into the, off the bus and went into the rink in the middle of February, and it's bitter cold outside, and you walk into the red rink, through go cut through the red rink to get over to the blue rink, it and you and we played a few times. Our team played a few times in the red rink. It was much colder in the rink inside than it was outdoors. Oh yeah. It was nuts, and yeah. I felt bad for the for the Jets because there were times where I mean, where their locker room was in the red rink upstairs. Yeah, yeah, a little that hours. That was now. awful. Yeah, yeah, and then you had to for games you had to walk all the way through the whole rink, mm-hmm. you know, and then basically you don't you don't come back to the locker room in between periods. You just get a locker room over on the the main rink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you, you always got you uh, the barracuda heart jamming for warm-ups. <laughs> it'll take you, it'll take you way back. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm old enough; I can do that. So, 
Uh, but uh, I, I'm a lot older than you guys. So, but uh, anyway, though, I mean, um, so what happens next after you after you finish that wild year? Uh, so what? what <laughs> so I get a I get a flyer in the mail somehow. I don't know for the a new new team, the Finley Growl, Finley, Ohio. Oh yeah, in a new league. So I go to their camp. And I, I do very well. I, I basically lit it up. Um, and I took, you know, I, in warm-ups, I took a puck. The kid took a, a slap shot off the post, and it hit me in the face. So I'm just leaking everywhere for the whole tryout. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I'm soaked in blood, and I, I just I continue to play. Um, and like I said, I had, you know, three or four goals. And then off a draw, towards the end, the kid headbutts me in the mouth. Like, what? yeah, kid. And I'm wearing a halfie, and he, he, I don't think he really meant to. Um, he kind of just leaned into me to try to push me forward on the draw. And, um, yeah, it cut the, <laughs> I got a scar on the top of my upper lip. So I'm bleeding from there and my, my, my chin at that point. And the ref just goes, dude, you got to get off the ice. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go to the hospital, I get glued up and stitched up. Um, and then, they offered me a contract that weekend. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm excited about it. Get out of town again. Um, not too far from home. Kind of a, kind of an unknown scenario, right? I mean, yeah, the, it could be great. It could be not, I don't know. Um, but the coach, you know, we had talked and he talked about me taking on more of a leadership role. Um, so, you know, we're, we're leading up to camp. We go down there, we do an official signing day. They do. They have the press there, everything, and it's kind of they're they're making it up to be a big deal for the town and whatever. Well, two weeks before the season starts, they pull the shoot, and the coach quits. Like he, the coach resigns. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going there now. You know, into a, it's basically a whole new situation now for me. You know, um, so I get a call at the time, and it's from a. He was a family friend growing up, you know, all the, all the way up. But a guy named Doug Bailey, who was a scout of the junior generals. And he said, and he pulled me aside. I went to the, I went to the showcase, the preseason showcase, just to watch whatever. Um, And he pulls me aside. He says, Hey, we want you to come back to Flint. And I'm like, okay, uh, what's the catch? You know? And he's like, well, we're not interested you in a forward as a forward. We want you as a D. And already I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, this is oh what is going on here, you know. So I go there and the coach, I mean, they had hired a coach who was incompetent. He, his name was Richard Klapko. Um, he was like a sports psychologist, I guess, or something like that. Um, so, you know, I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll do that. So the first, <laughs> the first game, so to close out my Metro career, um, we played in Cleveland, and Ooh. and they scored with like I want to say six or seven seconds left to go up three to two, and they got the guy that scored the goal comes by our bench like he's gonna you know tap our gloves, and I absolutely unloaded on him from the bench with a slash and snapped his arm. Oh, um, so that's that's what I was talking about um, as far as my my black eye my junior hockey career. So I do that. Uh, I look back at my coach. All five guys on the ice want to fight me. I was going to give them their due. I was. I looked at my coach. I was like, you want me to jump out there and take my licks? And he said, nope, good job. Patted me on the ass and went to the locker room. So 
Um, fast forward, our first games are in Cleveland that year when I went back to Flint. And the, um, Mon- Monticelli was still uh, running the league as the commission at that time. Yep. And it, he had he had told our coaches that I was not under any circumstances to fight or do anything stupid. So night one, um, everybody on the ice, hey, let's go, hey, let's go, hey, let's go. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. So then, you know, we game goes on, we lose, I think. I, I don't remember what the score was or whatnot, but he, uh, the next, you know, over the night there, the coach pulls me aside and he's like, hey, um, I think we're going to let you let you go tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. So then I grabbed the first guy that asked me and we go. And that was, that was basically all of that. So, but that's why, that was what I was telling you when I thought I said, I don't think that Bob Jacobson would have anything fond to say to me. That's why I yeah. basically took a kid's arm off from the bench with a slash. Oops. Yeah. And then, so a funny story on that too, Mono, um, I got, I think I got, like a three game suspension or whatever. And it was basically because the linesman let me off the hook. He was like, I wasn't there. It was my fault. Blah, 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 blah. So I get a three game suspension. So fast forward, we're, we're playing the Michigan ice dogs and mono comes to the game and I'm sitting in the crowd serving my suspension. And I'm like, Hey mono, what do I get for a slash from the stands? <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes, hell, I'd have to get you a six pack for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Dan Monticelli is one of the was always one of the funniest guys. Yeah, uh, you know he was hilarious. He, I mean, he had a job to do, and right. he was not afraid to get in your grill. But yeah, we always looked forward to him coming in. He did uh, he did his rounds every year at the beginning of the year, um, and gave a little speech in everybody's locker room. We always looked forward to him coming in, and joking with him, poking at him, you know. Yep, yep. He, he was a piece of work, man. I tell you, uh, but. Um, the you know and it's funny because i i still remember i remember him as before he be, uh, did all that when he was just a plain old referee yep. you know i remember when he would just was a plain old referee out on the ice and everything and with he a, would take so porn, much crap. with an 80s porn stash <laughs> the mustache yeah. yeah oh man that was funny and and the thing is is that yeah he and he had the uh I mean, he didn't have a full-on mullet, but it, 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 the way his hair, it, he had it like, it just was like, I don't know. It was slicked back so well that it, it, was it very, almost looked like a Very 1982. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I, it was funny because, you know, he w- I remember him doing all that stuff, and he would, he, uh, they w- he would catch so much crap because... He put on a little weight after yep. uh, after a while, and people would be merciless to him. And I thought that was unfair because he's still out there skating, and he can call he could call a good game. Oh yeah. So yeah. you know, I never you know I was like, man, you know, give the man a break. So, right. but uh, I always I always enjoyed uh, Mano. He was great, man. He was always always he was hilarious. Oh yeah. But now, now for you, um. I mean, I know that was a a, a dark spot, but uh, after well, I would that, say, I would say that it was a dark spot. I mean, every every experience that I experienced along the way was was either a learning experience or or something that told me, hey, you need to go in a different direction. You know, I never really took it as a at the time. At the time, yeah, I, I probably hung my head and pouted, but 
the more I get older and the wiser I get, it, it just seems like everything, everything that happened to me along the way just kind of makes sense, right? It's like a puzzle piece that had to fit for me to move on into something else. So now after after you were done playing juniors, that was your last year, right? When you played with nope. Flynn again? No. So oh. no. from there, I... I have a, I have a I have a good story after that after after we finish out with this flight year so okay let's yep. go okay so that year is kind of a whirlwind uh, we bring in this guy Richard Clapco to be the coach um, guy had no and not to bury anybody but the guy had no business uh, even being in a probably a midget locker room let alone a, a junior hockey locker room and um, some of the guys. Um, some of the guys had gotten together, like, I want to say like a group of like 12 of the guys. I wasn't one of them at the time, uh, got together and they were trying to overthrow him. So then he pulls me, pulls me aside, like into the, the blue room, uh, the blue rink before anybody else gets there. I always went to the rink early cause I didn't, wasn't going to school, didn't have a job. I was just playing hockey. Um, so he pulls me in the blue rink and he's like, Hey, I know something's going on here. Um, you, I need. I brought you here. I need you to tell me what's going on. Are they trying to get me out of here? And I said, I, you know, I honestly don't know what's going on. Um, but you know, and then we left it at that. Well, that weekend we were supposed to go to Chicago. I get pulled into his office and I get a two week attitude suspension. <laughs> so, what? How petty, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Real petty. So yeah. And I didn't. I didn't get to go on the road trip. Um, and I sat at home for two weeks yep, until they actually fired him. And then a guy named George Dritzis, who I, you know, I still keep in contact with George. I think, you know, I, I really like him. Um, uh, we go fishing and stuff every summer. We go to sports games and stuff, but he takes over and he brought me back at that point. So, and then, like I said, the rest of it's pretty much history. Okay. So you finished playing in Flint, uh, that year. Uh, what was the next stop? So I was done, uh, mentally checked out. Um, I took the whole summer. I was <laughs> eating at Golden Corral, <laughs> coming home, <laughs> thinking, sleep until two or three in the morning. I was just kind of in a dark place. Um, cause I, like I said, mentally I had, I had checked out. I was done. I was moving on to something else. My life after hockey, no matter what, you know, and I, I the scary part was I didn't know, I didn't have a clue what that was going to be, you know. Um, did I go to school? Did I? My dad's a journeyman pipe fitter. Um, do I join the trade? Do I, you know? I, I didn't know, right? And the, mm-hmm. the unknown for a kid, I guess, at that point is kind of scary. So it was that point, you know. I gained like twenty pounds or thirty pounds, and I was up to my weight was up to like two fifty at that point, and I was just I had no no positive things in sight and my it's my actually my roommate uh my roommate now who was one of my best friends from high school and middle school even while we had played together forever um and he he was playing in atlanta for the atlanta knights and he's like hey just come down to atlanta um you know basically reiterated to me what i what i was already thinking like what was i going to do without hockey this that and the other thing so i i did i went we went to the chowder cup in july i go down there i meet the owners of the team um and i signed there um and it was actually kind of cool because i got to play for 
a long time, like the guy I got, I looked up to as a kid, Kevin Kerr. Old mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, the bold, he was called the bold Durham of, uh, of minor hockey for a long time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so he was the coach. Um, I got on like a, I was in the fat club at the gym. So basically I would just ride the bike for an hour every day after workouts, after practice. And that was, uh, you know, talk about like a, a well-run organization that that was that was top notch as well kind of like Toledo but um you know we we flew everywhere um all our meals were covered um and just just everything that they did was out of sheer push and 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 want to advance players so um I think we we had I want to say 12 kids from Michigan on that team we had 13 age outs, and I mean that's that's going from the Central States League that was Junior A Tier Three to uh, to Junior B. So we were in the Met, the Metropolitan League, and we went like 43-0-2 that year, and just pounded wow. everybody. Um, we stayed. We uh, me, my roommate, and then three other kids. Um, actually lived with the owner of the team in like a you know very nice house, and um, it was actually kind of cool because <laughs> um, just I don't Justin Bieber had played for like the youth. I'm kind of hesitant to tell you the story because I'm gonna get laughed at, but Justin Bieber had played for the youth organization when he came down to record, and he played with my house brother Michael. So every time he came to record that year, he stayed at our house with us. So we got, really? we kind of got, yeah, we kind of got, we kind of got that experience a little bit. And um, like I said, I forty three zero and two. We go into national championship game. We're up three to one with seven minutes left. Blow it and lose an OT thirty seconds in. So not all is great, but you know, I was I was putting up points again. Um, I think I had I had well over a point a game. Um, I want to say I had close to 35, 40 points. And I was just, just, just loved playing the game again. You know, it was just fun to, fun to come to the rink, fun to go to work out, fun to basically, you know, just be around the guys. And we had a, we had a really good team. Everybody, you know, hung out together. Everybody did everything that we wanted to do together. So just a good experience overall. Well, that's a good way to, you know, I mean, to, as far as uh, letting the, you know, after that, bad taste in your mouth that was you know the uh was flint and metro and cleveland uh in 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 the smaller extent toledo but yeah uh nice to know you know that you were able to still find you know i mean it, it didn't it doesn't sound like it detracted from your love of the game no i you know i still push it in men's league and everything else um it's it's been a part of me ever since it was instilled in me, and it's just something that's going to be hard to give up at when I when I'm when I'm ready to do so, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, uh, uh, what's next in the Nick Karsten story here after Atlanta? So I go to Niagara University in Niagara Falls, New York. Um, I got recruited there by a guy named Clay Miller. Um, I signed in the summer. Um, I get there and I, you know, again, like common theme, I showed up a little bit, I showed up to camp a little bit out of shape um, and I was behind the eight ball again and 
we, uh, you know, I was, I was like third or fourth line and, but I was always on the top power play unit. Um, and I, I played, I think I want to say it was like, well, the first semester went fine. I think I ended up with like 20 points in my, my, I only played there one year. But I kind of, I kind of packed it in. I, I was missing home, you know. At that point, it was, I had been, a, I had been away from home basically since I was 17 years old. I'm 20. It's been almost five years, and I had, <laughs> I had a girlfriend at the time that went to Saginaw Valley, and I kind of followed her home. I was coming home quite a bit to see her, and um, I just, I just kind of, I guess, checked out uh, when I was there, but. Mm-hmm throw that in the mix with it's also like a $35,000 a year school and I was only getting 7,500 in assistance and it it was just time to come home I remember I called my dad I talked to him and I said hey this isn't gonna work out I was going there to be a teacher and then looking back on it I wanted no part of being a teacher because one the pay and two if I go you know if I continue at this four-year university and finish it out, I'm going to be $130,000 in debt, and I'm only going to be making 45000 a year at the most. So it was just, it was just, I came, it was time to come home. Um, so I did. I went to Saginaw Valley for a year. I didn't play. I actually got cut. <laughs> I, uh, they had like a prospect skate. And sorry if I'm all over the place. I'm not meaning to be, but. No, you're fine. They had like a they had a prospect skate and I was playing slow pitch softball and I come around third and I like the catcher got the ball early and I tried to like leap around him and I pulled something in my growing area. So I tried to and the prospect the prospect skate was like the next weekend, so I go and I'm hurt and I didn't play well. Um, got cut. And then that's where I found my found my love again. Uh, I went to U of M Flint and then I played there for three years. So and then now I coach there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, did you graduate from U of M Flint? I did. Uh, 2015 communications degree. Yep. Oh, you can have my job. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's awesome, man. That, uh, now, uh, you know, I mean, to wind this up here, uh, how did you, how did you end up coaching? So, um, I guess, you know, I've always, I've always excelled in thinking the game and I, like I said, I had played for three years at U of M Flint and then, um, the assistant coach at the time, Jake Shira, we would always talk, you know, we were kind of like nerds. We would talk, Oh, look at that one, two, two passive or look, you know, look at, you know, all the, all the strategies and stuff like that. And then um, when I was done playing, I, I kind of stepped away for a year. And then the coaching staff basically asked me, like, hey, you want to come on as, like, an assistant? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. You know, that's fine. And then now I think I've been – this is the – well, the pandemic, we didn't play this year because of the pandemic, but it would have been my fourth year um, helping out with the team. So – and now we're we're trying to figure out what we want to do moving forward as far as our – our staff goes okay so uh well that's awesome i mean they always say it's not how you start nick it's how you finish for sure and it sounds like you you definitely you definitely uh come out on top here 
So that's a good thing. Yeah. So um, now, uh, let's see. Uh, any any family, kids, any of that kind of stuff now uh, these oh, days? Nope. No, just uh, I'm married to my job, basically. <laughs> uh, it's okay. uh, my job. I, I work a lot. Um, I actually work close to Toledo. I work uh, Dundee Engine Plant. Yeah, I know Dundee. Yeah, yeah right so I'm, a, I'm a production supervisor. Um, I run the the crankshaft line in the machining department. So, wow. and I, uh, yeah, I uh, I started out at Mac and Mac Engine Plant in Detroit, and they. Mm-hmm. They took all of, everything that was in the plant and moved it to Dundee and then turned Mac into an assembly plant. So they're going to make the Grand Wagoneer there and the Grand Cherokee with a third row. And then they moved all of our equipment from Mac to Dundee, and I followed I followed our equipment. That was probably a year and a half ago. I've been there since uh, uh, January 8th of 18. So, Wow, good for you, man. That's great. Yeah. Um, oh. Uh, it's okay to finish up here. Just a couple more questions. Yeah. Um, what would the Nick Karstens of today say, or what advice would you give to the Nick Karstens uh, in the in your junior years? Um, just probably a couple. Of, uh, you know, one, just enjoy yourself. Um, there was a lot of times that I got down on myself, and I was, you know, I I was in a dark place just because of my own thoughts and my own experiences i guess so i would say you know just just enjoy yourself it doesn't last um some people get more of the experience than others and i I think that i pretty much capped out on my experience i played four years of a potential five and um yeah i would say just you know just enjoy the moment um everything happens for a reason and i would also say that you know a lot of the a lot of the stuff that i've i've highlighted in this are uh, just things that I could have controlled myself by my own actions, you know, um, some of the, you know, listening more to coaches, um, pushing myself a little bit harder to get into the gym, uh, committing to my diet would have been one. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I never, I never lacked, I never lacked hands. I never lacked vision. I never lacked a shot. It was always, it was always Hey, your physical conditioning is lacking. And that was in part, honestly, because I didn't, I wasn't always the guy that wanted to go to the gym and I wasn't the guy I couldn't get my diet. I could never, as much as I tried, get my diet under control. And looking yeah, back, you, did. you just, you just wanted to control. You're like me. You wanted to control that golden corral. First, yeah. Yeah. The pig trough. <laughs> yep. Amen to that. I, I I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> when I, I as I tell people, when I step on a scale, a card comes out and says, "Hey, one at a time." Yeah, uh, you but, you weigh too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Except I, I weigh bye bye to that a long time ago. I'm still bigger than that. Anyway, well, uh, but um, I guess the I'll wind it up with this. Uh, you know, you talked about your time in Toledo as being uh, a, a mostly a pretty positive experience. Uh, you know, it didn't work out the way, you know, as far as, uh, being able to, uh, be, uh, uh, in the upper echelon of the team, but, but you still, I mean, the way it was run, the way you experienced being around the Cherokee and everything, uh, what would you want to say to 
Cherokee Nation as far as um, uh, if you had anything to say to them, whether it's the, you know, because people from the different eras all listen to this. And I always say I'm grateful. I don't take it for granted. And uh, but if you had something you'd want to say to Toledo, what would it be? Honestly, I, I mean, like I said, it was short lived, but thank you for two months. Uh, the the way that the and I, I don't know if you guys still have the same ownership, but I'm sure that no. they, the new owners have carried the same light as the LeMays did. But uh, yep. enjoy your time. Um, everything happens for a reason. And listen to you know criticism. Take it to heart and work on yourself. Um, the the organization has ran very well in Toledo. And like I said, you know, you got got Brandy in the scores box. You got Mo, who you're not going to find another junior hockey team that even has an equipment manager for the most part. And even if you do, you're not going to find one that has the commitment and dedication that he has off on and off the ice. Without um, question. You prepared. Um, and then even, even with, you know, with you, Mick, um, I mean, I, I don't know how many years you've been, been at it, but well, I retired. I retired from doing the Cherokee, and and here's here's the funny part. You talk about com, coming back around again. Mo's son does the play by play now for the Cherokee. Really? I retired. Yeah, I retired a couple seasons back. But Who's that, uh, Zeke? yeah, Zeke. Yeah, he okay. finished high school at St. Francis, and then uh, uh, he's uh, now the play by play voice, and he's doing a good job. He's gotten really a lot better and is really now a really good play-by-play guy. So okay. uh, he's really yeah. he's he's doing a good job. Yeah, even like like I said, uh, you know, I kind of I saw you around the rink even before you know who you knew who even even had a thought of who Nick Carson's was. I uh, you know back in the day at, at Iceland Arena they used to have the showcase there, um, mm. and I saw you setting up and I thought I just remember thinking to myself like, wow, this is this is what junior hockey is actually about, you know, and then come to find out it's kind of, it was kind of like a, a limp in because, you know, that's really not what junior hockey is about. That's just one of the things that Toledo does for their players to get them on the map, you know? Yeah. Back then it was, you're right. Uh, but now, you know, nowadays, you know, everybody, I mean, they have by rule, you know, all the teams have to provide uh, vi- uh, hockey TV video and pay-per-view and the, and their announcers. Now, not all of them are at the same level or anything like that, and I'm not putting myself over. I'm just saying as far as, you know, sometimes they'll just grab whoever they can get and put in, in the booth. Yeah. And that's fine if that's, you know, that's fine. I don't I don't begrudge them that if that's what they're, you know, you know the, uh, the kids that play Tier 3, you know, they're working to, you know, improve to get to Tier 2 and then maybe Tier 1 someday. Same right. thing with the officials. You know, the sure. officials are working to get to a higher level. Same thing with broadcasters. You know, I stutter and I stammer and I screw up, but I was always working to try and get better at it. And sure. uh, like I said, I, I found my niche and I was happy. That was the key. Oh, I was I, happy doing what I was doing. Yeah, I remember I also like not, you know, not to go over time here or anything, but I also remember oh, back, back in the day when I was playing there, you know, you got your setup in the in the corner there. You got... Um, <laughs> All the dads, they would only serve beer in the one corner, and that was like kind of the rowdy <laughs> corner, you know. It was it was awesome. It was a good atmosphere. <laughs> what was the what was the, uh, the the TV channel? Was it BCN? BCSN. BCSN Toledo. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah Buckeye remember. Cable Sports Network. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then that was that was kind of cool too that they would they would actually 
broadcast the chair, you know, all the Cherokee games and whatnot. And just look over, you know, stuff's getting rowdy on the ice. You look over in the corner and all the dads are getting rowdy too down in the corner. It was just, it was, it was a cool experience. And then, you know, I, like I said, I don't really have a bad thing to say about anybody in Toledo. Um, some of the guys I played, you know, uh, Sexty, Doug, Lyndon Smith, I, I lived with him and Jay, um, Frank Matioc, um, oh, yeah. Mark, Farrell, Mark Farrell always had me rolling, uh, even Sexy. Me and Sexy kind of had the same uh, junior hockey experience with, you know, living out of a suitcase for basically five years. So, yeah, um, Sexy, in his podcast, he told me that he uh, actually had to sleep at the rink. For a couple weeks. That I doesn't surprise it. me. Yeah, I can see it. I I, I did a, a night where I slept in a car, so. But yeah, it all wow. makes it makes sense. Yeah, like, and then that's that's just the guys that were that were outgoing, you know. And then you had your, like, Goody was our. I think Goody was the captain. Uh, you had Nick Yost, yeah. a very good guy. Uh, Hadell uh, Hadell was a really good guy. Yeah. Um, Little sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, but. Honestly, looking back, you know, if I had to fish, you know, if I had to rank my top three, it'd probably be Fish, Dougie, London Smith, and then probably Mark Farrell, just because of the way that they carried themselves. You know, they were all funny guys. So, mm-hmm. and see, we did this entire podcast, and we didn't once mention any anything on any other places on Alexis Road. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, uh, well, there was the establishment on Alexis that we won't talk about. Very good, very good. And it wasn't the holy. Oh man! Anyhow, okay. Well, Nick, I tell you what, I appreciate you doing this, man. This was this seemed like only a few minutes, but it. it, I mean, here we are, almost an hour and a half later, and my gosh, it just the time flew, and that's because when you've got good stories to tell, makes it it just flies right by, and you did a great job here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, pleasure is all mine. Well, I'll tell you what, that's going to do it here for episode 58 here of Cherokee Rewind. Uh, Check that, 59. What do I know? 